Hello, people of the internet. This is Anna Raconteur, and I am actually doing a guest interview today with fellow author Trevor Cooley. Hello. And we are going to be answering some of the questions that fans have sent us over Facebook. So if you don't follow either of us on Facebook, shame on you to begin with. Uh, But you need to. You need to follow us on Facebook because we post a lot of stuff on there. So, Trevor, uh, let's see. We have a ton of questions here. Where do you want to start? Um, okay, well, we could might as well start at the beginning. Beginning works for me. Okay. One of our fans says, definitely curious how world building works for you. Is it just a stray thought that you turn into this complex world? Or is there some sort of other process? Well, for me, I start generally with a character concept. Um, and then, you know, whatever, say, abilities or powers that a character has, I will usually start with that, and then that'll help me build the world around the character. Um, you know, most of my books are part of one large series, and I actually had thought up the concepts. I kept a, a notebook, and I kept ideas on it for years and years and years, just fine-tuning it, um... And before I finally started writing it. So the Bowl of Souls series, which is my main series that most of my books are in, you know, I, I built it over a long period of time. I think that kind of is how I do it as well, because most of my ideas start with a character and I develop the character um, and the world itself is built around the plot, more or less, especially if it's a battle book. Geography totally depends upon the strategies and tactics I want to use. You know, I have to develop the land to be able to support the battle tactics. So, yeah, world building is something that's just a necessity that gets, you know, built as we go. Yeah, and uh, also it tends to, if I get a cool idea, suddenly the world changes to fit my idea. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I'm not firm on the rule until a book is out and it's published and I can't go back. So sometimes I'll, I'll make changes up to the last minute. If I get a really neat idea, I'll be like, okay, well this rule needs to be in place. So how does that affect the rest of the story that I've written? Sometimes I have to go back and do rewrites. Um, and so, you know, it, it kind of builds on itself naturally in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I, I do try to take as many notes as possible so that I do not trip myself up later. But, I mean, this is why we have proofreaders and editors. You know, people that will go, now, wait a minute. In book two, you said, oh, dang it. Okay, fine. I'll have to drop that idea or change it or, you know, whatever it, it takes to fit into the world. But, yeah, the, the world building is more of a process to support character and plot. It's especially, like, the level of technology. Yeah, that's totally dependent upon what I pl- want the plot to do. Yeah, I have written a couple of novels that were steampunk level just because I wanted them to be able to get from A to B in a couple of hours instead of a couple of months. So, yeah. Smart. Yeah. Um, next question. One of my other favorite authors is Lois McMaster Bajold, and she gave an interview stating that she tries to figure out the worst possible thing that could happen to her characters and then has to figure out how to write them out of it as her process for her books. 
What is your process for longer series? Well, I generally have an idea for a big plot point or a big conclusion. And putting, I guess, uh, obstacles in the way of the characters is a way of getting them there. Um, I don't necessarily start off with what's the worst thing that could happen to my characters. Um, Sometimes the worst things do happen to my characters, but it's not because I, you know, I start off wanting to cause my readers pain or anything. (laughs) I know that some authors have been accused of that. I know my daughter accuses me that she says, why do you hate elves? What's wrong with you? (laughs) But, uh, but uh, no, I don't, I don't look uh, for ways to, make things really painful for my characters. I, I usually look more for, for growth moments and, and things like that. And then, you know, danger and stuff like that kind of grows off of the plot. I think I understand why she does it, though. Uh, I don't really follow the process of what's the worst possible situation because the worst possible situation is really hard to write out of. That's like painting yourself into a corner. You have to kind of wait until the paint dries. It's, you don't want to do it to yourself. But when it comes to internal character growth, that is one of the easiest ways to go about it because you look at this and say, okay, well, this personality is going to be very comfortable in, you know, environment A, in this kind of comfort zone. Okay, so you put them in environment B because you need them to struggle. You need them to have any kind of growth. You know, if there's no conflict, they're, they're not going to progress. So, yeah, it makes very... Very good sense why she does it that way. Why we do it that way. What is your writing day like? Do you have a schedule you keep rigidly to, or is it more loosey goosey? Well, um, I mine is fairly loosey goosey, really. Um, I ever since I, you know, started writing at, for a living, you know, it's it's nice to have your own schedule, and I tend to do most of my creative thought at night. Um, you know, I I. I had a goal where once I started to be my own boss, I could sit down and I'd work out a shift just like with a regular job and work, you know, eight to five, you know, have maybe a minimum page amount that I want and then have the rest of my day free. But it doesn't work that way for me. For me, it's more like put it off, put it off, then panic sets in and then I have to get it done most of my writing ends up being like between 10 o'clock and say four in the morning and uh that's just that tends to be when my mind just starts to wake up and uh my wife um you know she she has a day job she's working right now and we have kids that are homeschooled so you know i'm i'm busy during the day too so it's harder to set aside time and really concentrate so that's another reason why it's all done in the evening see i find this very interesting because i'm the exact opposite uh i actually do some of my best writing in the morning so i'll try to get up about eight or nine o'clock and then i'll write uh somewhere around 1500 words is my goal so get about two and a half pages in there and then i'll take a break I'll eat lunch, I'll hop on a video game, I'll watch something, I, I get up and do some household chores. I mean, I, I give myself four or five hours at a stretch. And then I sit back down and I try to finish the chapter. So I try to write a chapter a day. Now there are days where I look at the computer and I'm like, ha, 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 lunch, lunch first. 
I'm not doing anything until lunch. And, and there are days too where if I get two pages written, I am proud of myself because it is not happening otherwise. This, but I mean, for the most part, we do try to write, you know, every day because it's easier. If you fall out of the pattern of doing it, it's like your mind just kind of rusts or stoves to a stop or I don't know what happens. Yeah. In fact, when I, <laughs> at first, you know, I would wear myself out, you know, and when I was working a day job, it was really hard to find time to write. And so, you know, I was getting no sleep. And then, so I kind of got in the habit of doing that. And uh, so when I finished like the fifth book of my Bull of Soul series and I wanted to take a break and I went like a month where I didn't write and then I went to start again and man that was so hard it was so hard yeah you have to keep your mind flexible it's just like any kind of exercise or workout if you if you stay away from it for a long time then try to come back it's really hard to get back into shape your brain does the same thing you know um even if I go on vacation like for a week and come back, it's always a struggle until I get back into that zone. So, yeah, I you have to have do at least some every day. Um, I read a uh, an article where Stephen King was talking with uh, um, George R. R. Martin, you know, the uh, Game of Thrones author. And Stephen King was saying, well, I write six pages every day. And George R. R. Martin's like, that's crazy. Like, how can you do that? And, uh, but that's just what he's always done. And that's why he's able to put out several books a year, his whole career. Um, and, you know, to be an independent writer, you've got to put out several books a year. You can't have time off or else people forget who you are. So, uh, so yeah, you, you can't stop. No, you, you really, really can't. And that's not to say that every idea that you come up with is a good one. I have a whole folder in my working folder that is do not publish. And it's just full of terrible cliche ideas that I came up with. And I looked at them and I thought, no one will ever see these ever. And yeah, there are times where I double question that and I'll call my editor over and I'll run an idea past her. And if she doesn't shoot me down, then I move it over to the things I'm working on folder. But, I mean, just because you write every day doesn't mean you're going to come up with something brilliant every time. But you have to keep your mind working. It has to happen. I have a question. Okay, so I have a question for Honor here. Do you write one book, focus on that book, just sit down and finish it, and then start the next book? Or do you write several books at a time? I wish my brain would let me focus on one thing. That would be brilliant and beautiful and wonderful. No, my brain's not that convenient. I normally bounce in between two books at a time and if I have an idea that occurs to me while I'm working on those two books I'll take a day and write down what I know oh, and I'll, I'll save it which is why I have 26 books started that I haven't finished yet because I haven't got my brain to go back to that world I don't have I, I can't do it that way for me I I have to focus fully in and I'm probably, it's probably because I keep so much of it in my head. I don't do as many notes as I should. And it's just, every writer does it differently. But what works best for me is, is if I just have it all kept in my, in my mind and I know what I'm going to do. Um, if I 
take a break, then uh, if I try to do something else, it's hard to get back into the other world. Or sometimes I'll forget things. I have to go back and reread, you know, what I wrote and things like that. I forget stuff all the time. And I am the worst at taking notes. I, I sometimes I'll actually go look at my notes. And I, I want to kill my past self because they're terrible. They don't help me at all. Um, so I often have to reread my own books before I write the next book in the series because I've forgotten 90% of it. I, I'm really bad. Okay, next question. Um, what are some mistakes you have made in the publishing process that other writers should avoid? Well, um, let's see take that first i'll think about it for a second (laughs) i can think of a couple off the top of my head and uh i probably can think of them easier than trevor because i get random strangers that will stop me on the street and ask me this question i don't know how they know to ask me the question (laughs) i must have a neon sign i'm not aware of Uh, but yeah one of the worst mistakes that people make is that they will sign a contract with a publishing house to do vanity printing where you have to pay for your own copies, they'll only print you know, 500, 1,000, 3,000, whatever copies at a time, and then they expect you to be able to market it. It's not possible. Most bookstores will only accept a book that's through a distribution system. So through Ingram, ABC, or Anderson Distribution, that's the top main three, if those books are not available through their catalog, bookstores will not hold your books. They want to order from those distribution companies because if the book doesn't sell within X amount of days, that's anywhere between 30 to 90 days, then they want to be able to return the book. And if there's no return option, then it's a lost cause on their case or it's, you know, means fees on their, their case. So they're not going to deal with independent publishers and they're not going to deal certainly with indie authors, which means that you have 3,000 books on hand and if you don't sell them through Amazon or eBay or through these little independent, you know, venues that you're able to schedule, you're sunk. You have all these books on hand that might have cost you $6,000 to print and you have no way of shuffling them. That's very good. I I actually spent many years trying to get published, sending out query letters and, uh, you know, getting back form rejection letters. I sent over 80 uh, query letters and um, submissions to different publishers and editors and agents. And agents are just as hard to get as publishers sometimes. Um, so... Uh, I've I've made a lot of mistakes during that process. Um, for instance, uh, you know, there's one where uh, it was an email uh, submission, and I misspelled the name of the agent. I realized it just after I hit send, and I was pulling my hair out like, no, I thought this was a really perfect person to send my work to, and I screwed it up right off the bat. And I got that rejection really quick, like the next morning. (laughs) I knew it was coming too, because agents are super picky. If they see a misspelling or whatever, then they assume you're sloppy and they don't want to represent you anyway. Um, So that's an easy, you've got to, when you're, if you're going to go through that system, 
and uh, try to get a agent and send out query letters and things, you've got to do a lot of research, find out what that particular agent wants. Um, they will each have a kind of a template or a format they want you to use. And if you don't stick to it, they just reject you out of hand. So there's that. Um, and uh, as Honor was saying, um, you don't need to have a vanity publisher anymore. Vanity Press is really a relic. Um, that's the thing that kept me from self-publishing for years and years and years is I thought that was the only way to do it. And now that there's Amazon Kindle and then now they do print on demand, you don't have to keep an inventory or any of that. Um, I know that honors use different people than me. I've used create space with Amazon. Um, but, uh, you know, for paperbacks, you don't, you don't need to go through that anymore. Yeah. One of our next questions is why, what made you decide to self publish? So since we're talking about oh, this already, okay. let's just keep going. Um, I actually have a distribution license with Ingram, which is one of the larger distributions in the world. Uh, but I've almost stopped using them because they are connected very strongly with Barnes and Noble. I do not know why. I don't understand it. I'm assuming there's dirty pictures and somebody's wife involved. But because they are connected with Barnes & Noble, they demand a 55% trade discount. Which means that every time that you go in to price your book for sale, you have to mark that thing up 55%. Otherwise, you don't make any kind of royalties off of it. And that makes what should be, you know, $8, $9 book, $12 or $13. And if you get above that $10 line, heaven help you, you are not going to be able to sell a paperback. People have this psychological break at that $10 mark. They want their books cheaper than $10. And I understand why. You know, I'm a voracious reader. I devour books. I can't afford to spend more than $10 on multiple books in a month. That's going to break the bank. So I totally understand why. Uh, but it's something that you, know, you have to keep in mind. And honestly, I also spent many years trying to get published, trying to find an agent. I don't even want to consider how many query letters I sent out. I don't even want to think about it. I spent three years trying to do it. And then uh, I discovered Amazon was doing this whole indie publishing thing. And I thought, well, heck, if this is free and they're only going to take a trade commission, then why not? I can do free. So at the time, there wasn't any kind of guides on how to, you know, do the whole formatting. So I had to figure that out. But that's basically the reason why I did self-publishing to begin with. is because I didn't have any other option. I mean, if I wanted to get the book out there, then I would have to do it myself. Now, since then, that's changed. I've had two publishing companies contact me going, really, really want your book? I'm like, suck us. You can't have it. <laughs> Because now I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't want them to have control over my book. This is my book. I don't want them to say, well, there's not enough sex in here. Tough. I don't want there to be. This is a young adult fantasy for crying out loud. So I appreciate now the fact that I've got total control over my book. And you've got a lot more freedom to do what you want, too. There's a lot of different formulas and molds that literary agents want you to fall into. That's the reason why they wouldn't take John 10. I didn't have a Dark Overlord for them to defeat. I didn't have them go on a grand quest. Uh, the main character wasn't bullied in school. So it didn't fit the formula. They wouldn't take it. Okay, that's fine. 
I'll just make lots of money and keep it. <laughs> I'm good with that. Oh, that's the other thing that's for self-publishing, guys. Uh, if you have an agent, you might, if you're lucky, make about 90 cents per book. Uh, if you are a indie author, you get to keep 70% of her, your royalties. So, by all means, still follow the process. You still want really good editors. You still want proofreaders. You still want a really good cover. You still want to be able to, you know, afford advertising for it because you still want to follow the process. You need to have a professional product in order to be able to take it seriously. But I, I wouldn't actually recommend going through the big publishing houses Um with, with the right people, you can do the job yourself. Uh, my editor just reminded me of something. She actually interned with a big publisher, so she knows this. Uh, actually, with the big publishers, they still make you do your own edit, uh, marketing. And I know a couple of the bigger publishing houses, they won't even edit your book. I've actually had some of them come to me for editing help because there was no one else to do it. So keep that in mind, too. Next question, do you write the whole book and then edit or go chapter by chapter? I'm actually a chapter by chapter writer. I have a very loose outline, like I have the major plot points figured out. And then I kind of let my characters take me there. And so I write a chapter at a time. I kind of treat each chapter almost like it's a short story in that each chapter has to have a purpose and a you know, a point, something that brings the story towards the conclusion. And so I write a chapter, I edit a chapter, I give it to my wife, she goes, does her editing passes, I have some alpha readers that read it and send it back to me and I'm working on the next chapter. And then when I'm done with the whole book, I do another editing pass, but I generally write chapter by chapter as far as that goes. Okay, now I'm fascinated because if I tried to do that with my editor, she would kill me in my sleep. I have to give her the whole book at once. So I cannot do the chapter by chapter thing. And I think part of the problem is with me, like on my side, is that I don't have an outline. I can't work off of outlines. I have tried. It never works. So, and I have a lot of timeline issues, I guess because I don't do outlines. Um, I'll have you know, one chapter in April and the next chapter in August. So she has to read it as a whole because she's also trying to figure out, you know, is the tension kept up from chapter to chapter? Is there any kind of timeline issues? Um, and that kind of thing. So I have to give her the whole book at once. And when we give the book to, you know, our other editors, it's the whole book. We don't try to, to cut it up by chapter. So yeah, most editors, professional editors prefer to have the whole book. Because they want to have an overall sense of how the book flows. Okay, next question. When you are coming up with a story idea, how do you decide where the book begins? Okay, well, oftentimes, like if you have an idea or a concept for the story, and then there's many places you could start it. Um, my first book, I had probably three or four different starting places. And then I think the important thing is you just got to pick one. You know, if you let that stop you, like a lot of people get hung up because they're like, I just don't know, you know, do I start it here with this event or with this character? Pick one and go with it. And, you know, if you start writing it and it feels bad, then you can pick something else. But 
to pick a starting point, you really got to, uh, you, you know, you got to start. And so, you know, don't let yourself get stopped up by that because you can tell a story any number of different ways and still have it be good. And so pick the one, you know, if you're really torn, you know, ask a couple people what they think. But, you know, really, it's up to you. Pick what, pick the, the starting point of your story that, you know, hopefully it has some action in it, something exciting goes on to bring the readers in right away. But other than that, it doesn't really matter. Let me address probably what was the motive behind the question. Because a lot of people, as Trevor said, it, they're afraid of picking the wrong place to start. There is no wrong place to start. This is a draft. You don't have to get it right the first time. You just need to start. Now, I can count off both hands, actually, because I've done this quite a few times, where I've started a book, I may be four or five chapters in and go, no, I need to give them more of an introduction than that. And I'll go back in and, and add either a prologue or another first chapter, which means that when my editor does get the draft, the chapter headers do not line up. They don't make any sense whatsoever. I have, you know, two ones and I have a 4.5 and I have an 8.25 and because yeah, I'm constantly adding stuff in. This is a draft. You do not have to get it right the first time. We don't expect you to get it right the first time. Nobody gets it right the first time. What you need to do is get the bones down. That is your main goal with the first draft. You just need to get the bulk of the story in there. And then you can spend as much time as you want polishing it after that point. Now, when it comes to beginnings, I tend to begin with action. They're in the middle of something. You know, they're in the middle of stowing on board of a ship. They're in the middle of being dragged to a queen in chains. You know, sometimes they're in the middle of a battle scene. Because that immediately grabs the attention of the reader because they want to figure out what the heck is going on. And that is your goal with the first chapter. Especially with the first page. You want to grab their attention and say, this person is interesting and they're in the middle of something and the story will continue from there now i mean there's obviously a little bit of a flaw to this plan of mine because like i said sometimes i don't give the reader enough information enough of an introduction to the world which is why i have to go back and, and add a prologue or add a, a chapter but that's my t tendency to do okay last question this is more for trevor than for me if you could change any one event, plotline, etc., and the Bowl of Souls novels, what would that be, and why would you do it? All right. Well, I think there's one thing that I would change, and it's not because it's not for story reasons. It's more if I had went back and I was thinking things through, I would have known for financial reasons <laughs> to write something a different certain way. So, you know, I wrote the first Bowl of Souls saga which is five books and it was one ongoing storyline and then i had a second storyline the, the second saga starts with book six and i have this great character idea of tara woodblade she's this uh, strong female character and you know i i just fell in love with the character and the concept and everything and really i was kind of tired of my regular characters and so it started out, the book Tara Woodblade started out to be kind of a, a series that bridged the gap between the two sagas. I was going to do a two-book Tara Woodblade series. And then as I was writing it, and I was starting to hear reader responses, they were kind of upset that I wasn't 
that my main characters weren't going to be involved in this Tara Woodblade book. And, uh, you know, I finished it and, and it, it became a bridge book just kind of to introduce you to the character and kind of the thrust of the story of the situation. And I love the book, but I think that I lost probably some momentum with some readers who felt that, um, you know, they, they were, they were upset that the main character from the previous series wasn't involved. And, and as you go on to the rest of the series, he's there, you know, I, I never intended for him not to be part of the saga. He's all, he's the main character of the series. Um, but, uh, that first book, he only appears at the very end. Um, but, uh, so I wrote what I wanted to write, but probably if I, because I really didn't have anything for him to do during this point of period of time. So I was like, well, you know, he, he didn't have a, he needed a break too. He'd been in battles constantly for years. So it was time for him to have a, a rest between events as well. But, you know, if I was thinking more uh, along the line of financially and, and uh, um, you know, what readers wanted more than what I wanted, I probably would have found, come up with this plot line for him to be doing at the same time so that it would have been interspersed between the characters. Yeah, I'm not actually too surprised um, that your fans got a little upset, though, because that's why we like series. We get so emotionally attached to the characters, we want to keep seeing them. So, yeah, I can kind of understand. Well, everyone, this was great. Uh, it's definitely fun for me to always talk to another author, just to see how different our processes are. And it always amazes me, especially when I'm talking to another indie author like myself, because yeah, they are able to put out multiple books like I do, and yet they do it in a completely different way. And I'm like, wow, your brain works that way, huh? Okay. Maybe I'm the weird one. I haven't decided. Uh, so, Trevor, thank you so much for coming up and doing this with me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Honor. It's been a pleasure. Well, this is Honor Raconteur and Trevor H. Cooley, and we were very glad to talk to each other and answer some questions for you today if you want to find us on facebook yeah you can underneath our pin names um and then you can find more information about me on my website at honorrockandtour.com and on trevor's website trevorhcooley.com and my twitter handle is at edgewriter very good i will be looking forward to next week when we talk to you again bye <laughs>